Hey, Earthlings! Welcome to Natalie's Nature Show, your digital nature break. I'm Natalie Jackson, a UC Master Gardener based out of Los Angeles and a local wildlife enthusiast. Today I'd like to talk to you about composting. I received an awesome question from Nolan. Shout out to Nolan, what's up? Um, And he basically asked me, how do I get started with composting? I have a lot of leaves in my backyard and I might as well put them to good use. And honestly, it's a great time to start thinking about starting a compost system. Um, You know, as Nolan may have noticed, uh, some of the plants are dropping their leaves. And so you may have an abundance of leaves in your yard or even on your balcony, um, you know, wherever you're growing plants or wherever you have trees. And using those leaves in a compost is a great way to recycle that material. I'm going to read a little definition of composting. Uh, from the Master Gardener Handbook. So composting is a process in which organic substances are reduced from large volumes of rapidly decomposable materials to small volumes of materials that continue to decompose slowly. The end products of decomposition of plant materials are water, CO2, and materials important to plant nutrition and soil fertility. So by breaking down your food scraps, your leaves, uh, your cardboard, all of these things that you may have around your home, uh, you're building a material that is a condensed version of all these items, and it's a readily available nutritious additive for the soil. Toby Hemingway, who wrote Gaia's Garden, describes compost as the rich, hummusy end product of decomposition. What do you need to actually compost? The first thing you need, in my opinion, to start composting is to have excess materials. You have materials, you don't quite know what to do with it. Maybe they're food scraps, maybe it's cardboard different things that you're like, I really wish I didn't have to put this in the dumpster and I don't want to send this to a landfill. If you have an excess of leaves, like my friend Nolan does, that's also another good sign that you have materials to create a compost. Most families, most kitchens um, do have excess food waste and unfortunately a lot of it does go into the landfill So as much as we can to divert our food waste away from landfills, um, we should do it. You know, this is a great way to do it. And it actually creates a cycle in which you are contributing to the soil. So if you've decided, yes, I have enough materials to compost, the next step is to evaluate your space and decide where can you possibly put a compost bin or compost pile. Keep in mind a few things. You want your compost area to be close to your house, but not too close to your house. What do I mean by that? Depending on how you create your compost pile, you may or may not attract some furry friends. 
I had a little fun incident in my garden where I opened the compost bin and there was a rat inside. And I definitely screamed and it looked shock at me. And then I calmed down, got my camera out, took a little video, which I'll post on my social media. But it definitely freaked me out. But it was a good reminder that if I don't keep up with my compost and I don't monitor it all the time and notice that there's a hole eaten out of the side of it, then there are going to be rodents. There are going to be creatures coming in to this pile. So my pile is at the community garden. We used uh, tumblers that we bought from Aaron's coworker, um, and they were rotating tumblers, plastic ones, on a frame. And eventually we overloaded these bins and they fell off the frame. The plastic basically just broke and then there were holes in it. And now there are rats <laughs> that can fit into these holes that can access the delicious things I'm putting in my compost. So you may not want this compost area to be right next to your house, but you do want it to be close enough that you will access it regularly, whatever schedule you decide, and you stick to it and you don't just forget about it. That is highly important in the success of the compost. Your participation makes or breaks it. If you have a bin or if you have a pile, you have to make sure that you are able to aerate it and turn the compost. So this basically means getting a shovel and flipping it around so that everything that was in the middle, which is like the core where the most uh, perfect conditions for decomposition are happening, that stuff gets separated and aerated out so it doesn't get icky. And then everything around the outside gets a chance to be cycled into the core where all the action is really happening. So it's important to think of this when you're picking out what kind of composter you're going to be working with, whether it's a pile on the ground with a tarp, or perhaps it is a wooden structure where you're able to uh, divide the compost up and flip it around very easily with a shovel. Or if you need something that's a little more accessible physically, you can get one of those compost bins with like a crank handle where it's really easy to turn it. Uh, there are other ones where it's a little harder to turn, but, um, and that's what we had and we ended up breaking them because we put too much stuff in them, like I said. But uh, I've seen it, a school garden, in particular Carthay Circle Elementary School, they have a really big um, strong compost tumbler uh, that has a little window area to insert items and that has a little lock on it and then it has a big crank and the kids get so excited when they get to crank it you know everyone knows like if you put anything into it you have to turn the crank a few times and they get compost really quickly because of the participation uh, when everyone's in school and then everything that they get to put into it from their garden, which is absolutely stunning and has a lot of uh, leaves that fall on the ground and different things that they can contribute to it. And they are able to make compost to feed the soil of their garden with this composter, which is very cool. They also have chickens which is a whole other level of coolness. 
but right now we're going to focus in on compost. Compost, also known as rapid backyard composting, essentially can be any one of those bins. It can be a pile, uh, whatever you have that works for your space. Uh, go with that. Um, and it can take up to four to six weeks with minimal participation of a human being, but it can also decompose as fast as two weeks with really intensive participation. So what is the participation? Like I said before, it's the aeration. It's also keeping it moist enough, but not too moist. So you don't want it to dry out because there are living creatures in there that need water. Um, but you also don't want it to be too wet because if it's too wet, then those creatures may uh, get sick or drown, um, you know, whatever it is. Uh, it's just negative effect. And then things start to uh, go sour, uh, become acidic, and then you actually get a horrible smell. So you want to avoid that as much as possible and keep an eye on your compost bin, making sure that it does have enough water, but not too much water, that it is warm and that it is aerated. The other part of your participation is what you add into the pile and how frequently you're contributing to it. So typically we add items once a week to our compost. And what we do is we have a bucket that has a ceiling top, uh, basically like a screw top. You can get at Home Depot. I believe it's about a three gallon bucket. And we have that on our balcony. And we have a little compost bin in our kitchen where we keep the food scraps. So we put the food scraps in there and then when it's full, we empty it out into the bucket that sits on the balcony. It's airtight sealed, so it does not smell. And that is what we add to the garden compost once a week. So I actually go to our garden three times a week. Uh, so the other two times that I'm there, I will add water, if necessary, to the compost pile. I will just open the lid and mix it around a bit and also like poke holes into it so that there is airflow all the way to the bottom of the pile. And I'll let it sit out open while I'm working in the garden for, you know, two or three hours. And so the last part of the human participation is really observing the compost and watching it as it turns into this beautiful, hummusy, rich, dark brown material. And notice when things are pretty much getting to the point where your whole bin is composted. It's ready to go. It's decomposed. And then stop adding stuff. Uh, you really just want to kind of check in, make sure the temperature seems okay, make sure it's still warm, make sure it has some moisture, you know, air it out when you need to, but you want to just really let it sit and cook and finish up so that you can start using that compost and empty the bucket and start anew. What can I put in my compost? This is a question I get often, and there are some rules to know, but it is pretty simple. So most people refer to the materials that you add to the compost as either green materials or brown materials. Green materials are considered to be fresh, they are moist, and they add nitrogen to the pile. Brown materials are considered dry and they add carbon to the compost pile. So green materials include 
alfalfa hay, eggshells, raw fruit and veggies, grass clippings, manure from herbivores, so like rabbits or chickens, kitchen food scraps. And there are some notes on what can you add from the kitchen and what you should not add to the kitchen. And I'll get to that in a second. Uh, The brown materials include things like dried leaves, straw, sawdust, paper bags, newspaper, cardboard, wood chips, egg and milk cartons, and dried grass clippings. And what doesn't go into the compost pile? So from your kitchen, you do not want to include dairy products, so like the inside of an egg, cheese, milk, anything like that. You don't want to include any meat as well, fats, grease, and really any cooked food. Uh, Otherwise, you do not want to put any soil into your compost. You don't want to put ashes into your compost. Uh, You don't want to put any manure from meat-eating creatures. This includes humans, this includes dogs, cats, meat-eating creatures. So there is a place in New York, a few parks in New York City, where they do actually allow the composting of dog manure. Um, And they basically created this whole system around a dog park. And you pick up your dog poop with a piece of newspaper that's provided instead of the plastic poop bags. And then you put it into the compost bin and you turn the crank and that's it. You're done. And that compost is used throughout the park on things that are not edible, things that are not really accessed by people uh, very much. So uh, the bacteria that's in there is really contained and really uh, focused in on feeding the soil in areas where people are not around to get sick from the bacteria. But that is a very specific closed system and Uh, You do not want to include that material in your own compost bin because that bacteria is not good for edible plants if that's what you're going for. You also do not want to put any diseased plant materials into your compost bin because the diseases can transfer through, stay active in the compost, and then go into the soil and uh, penetrate the plants through the roots. And you also want to avoid seed-bearing weeds. So if you're pulling weeds out of the ground and you've pulled them at a point where they already have gone to seed, you do not want to add those seeds to your compost because you will essentially be adding them into the soil and creating more weeds. Uh, So what a lot of people will do is they'll try to pull the weeds before they flower or before they go to seed, um, or they will also just uh, cut the seeds off throw them away separately in another area, and then put all of the leaves and branches into the compost. When you're adding these items to your compost pile, you want to be aware of the ratio of the green to brown items that you're putting in. Ideally, you're putting in equal parts of the green materials and equal parts of the brown materials every time you're adding to your compost. So when I go and empty my bucket into the compost bin, 
I first kind of dig a hole so I can get it into that central core and dump it into the hole. Then I layer on some of the existing material from the outer areas of the compost on top of that. Uh, it's very important to cover any food scraps with compost material uh, so that it's kind of enclosed in like a safe area for the worms and other creatures to go into and it's not necessarily exposed at the top. I take the same bucket, I rinse it out, and I dump that water into the compost area. And then I take it and I go around the park uh, because our community garden is located at a city park and there are lots of leaves on the ground from all the trees. I take one of my favorite tools, it's a hand rake. So it's a handheld tool that has three prongs on it. And I use that to gather uh, leaves and little sticks and put them into the bucket. And I basically try to fill it up to match the amount of green material that I had thrown into the compost pile. Uh, I may also cut up some paper bags or uh, some cardboard and add that into the mix. We don't really have a lot of newspaper or milk cartons, uh, but we'll add our egg cartons and any grass clippings that we have from the garden as well in um, that have been dried in with the brown material for the compost. And so if you're putting equal parts, it typically will balance out um, to be about the 30 to 1 ratio of carbon to nitrogen, which is the ideal amount for a compost to work well. Um, you may find that some of the materials that you're putting in have a lot bigger of a ratio or a lot smaller of a ratio. So it's important to observe your compost and make sure that it is working well and that you are receiving all of the good positive signs of uh, composting, which include a good smell, almost like a sweet smell, and warmth. It should be warm inside of the compost. Uh, there may be water vapor coming out when you open it, um, and you should definitely see that it is reducing in volume. So if you filled up the bucket or whatever it is three quarters of the way up, you should start seeing that to condense and start seeing it turn into a dark brown material that looks very rich and loamy. These are signs we want to look for, but if you're seeing signs of it going the other way, where maybe it's smelling bad or things aren't really decomposing, then you want to troubleshoot that. And there are many, many books, many online references that you can turn to to troubleshoot. Almost all of them have a lovely table where you can look up, okay, my compost smells bad. And then it'll tell you, well, it's likely this and this, so try adding this. So it could be that you're adding too much water or you're adding too much green material and not enough brown material. So you can add more brown material and a little less water and see if that balances out. And of course, aerating it. So it might be smelling bad because you haven't turned it in a while. You know, there are different things that you also may know the solution because you didn't do a part of the compost <laughs> uh, practice. So usually troubleshooting a compost is pretty easy. Of course, I'm always available to answer any questions, and I have several books with those tables that I can reference and just give you the right advice to move forward and remedy whatever is not going well in your compost bin. 
overall, your human participation includes adding water, turning it as often as you can, uh, protecting it from drying out from the sun, but also protecting it from leaching in the rain. So if you are doing just a pile and not a closed bin, you want to make sure that you put down a tarp um, on top of it that can help protect it from the rain. Uh, Some people might layer some cardboard on top of it and then put a tarp on it just for a little extra protection. And that way, all those good nutrients that you're putting into the middle of the pile don't just leach out into the ground and um, away from the compost that you are trying to make. That plus aeration and your observation will lead you to having a successful compost system. I'd like to offer a few tips just to make sure that your compost is really accelerating and doing well. The first is to make sure that whenever you're adding items into your compost, that the pieces are a half inch to one and a half inches long. If it's something that is really soft and succulent, for example, uh, lettuce or some aloe vera, something that would break down pretty easily, You don't necessarily have to cut it up into little pieces, uh, but if it's something like cardboard or wood, you definitely want to make sure that you are cutting it up because it will take a very long time for something so dense to decompose. So any woody, harder material, you definitely want to make sure you're cutting it that small, Uh, but overall it's a good practice to just make sure you're cutting everything into small pieces. Uh, The more surface area there is on a piece of organic matter, the quicker it will be decomposed by the microorganisms in your compost. Another tip is to keep your pile manageable. The ideal size for a compost pile is three foot by three foot or four foot by four foot and not much bigger. Um, Many people will build a frame out of wood that is a square and typically it is a four foot square that they're building it as. And that is a very good size. If it gets much bigger than that, it will take a lot longer for the outer layers to be able to decompose. Uh, But those two sizes are really um, manageable, first of all, because remember if you're turning it, you don't wanna create something so gigantic that you never wanna turn it. But then it's also uh, a good manageable size as far as, being able to add enough material to keep it going. Another tip is to remember that the compost bin is very forgiving. It is very easy to set it back into balance if the pH or the moisture is uh, off balance. Um, And really, you don't have to put so much pressure on yourself as far as your rate of participation If life gets busy and you're not able to attend to your compost as much as you can, um, that is okay because it will still compost. It will just be a little slower, and that's fine. You can consider yourself a more passive composter. Uh, It's a little less work, but it is slower. And then when you have the energy and the time, you can become an active composter where you're putting in more work, putting in more energy, and you're getting a faster output. And train yourself to really watch your compost and understand the different stages of your compost. You'll see it when you have a lot of organic material and a lot of food scraps 
And then you'll magically see that those food scrap pieces are kind of gone. And there's just like a lot of worms in there and a lot of little creatures uh, going in and helping your pile decompose. Every creature in the compost plays a role in the decomposition of your food scraps and of the brown items. And it's important to monitor them and know that some creatures are okay and some creatures are where you draw the line. For example, for me, rats are where I draw the line. I would like to remedy this situation immediately and make sure there are no more access points for rats into my compost. But there are ants in my compost, and ants are a part of the reality of our garden and gardening um, where we are, and that's fine. And so I accept them going into the compost bin when they do, because I know that they are partially aerating the compost by with the tunnels that they're creating, and I'm sure they're serving several other purposes that I don't even know about as far as uh, assisting the decomposition. So it is important to consider the local wildlife wherever you're putting this compost bin, and it is important to understand how they may enter or access your compost. Most of us will learn this uh, with experience uh, because you may not even know who's out there. There might be a gopher that's coming into your compost that you don't really realize until you aerate it and see a tunnel. There may be a raccoon that comes every night and you know lifts up the tarp and grabs something from the compost bin or digs a hole to get some of that delicious stuff that you have in your compost. So you don't necessarily know who's coming, but you want to make sure that you're doing whatever you can to prevent them from taking things out of the compost. My last tip for successful composting is to consider who is going to be participating in this compost pile. Um, how are they able to access the compost bin? Are they able to participate in the turning and um, aerating of the bin? Are they seeing the value of compost? And are they getting to have the benefit of the compost in their garden for their plants? You know, you want to make sure that if you're setting something up for just yourself, that it works for you and that you can easily do it. There are no barriers from you being able to compost. But if you're setting it up for other people, you want to make sure you consider accessibility. For some people, it may be better to have a hand-cranking tumbler. For other people, they may want that exercise and the purpose of the compost bin may be to have some physical labor to do in the aerating with a shovel. So keep people in mind too, because uh, people make the compost happen. And if you're relying on a bigger community to create a really big compost pile, you want to make sure that there are no barriers for them. You want to make sure that maybe collection times are at a time that suits most people to come in. You want to make sure they have scissors or a knife or something to be able to cut the pieces smaller and you want to make sure that there's some instructions clearly labeled for them to read and that it's in the language that they understand. So, you know, really think about the people that are going to be a part of this when you're designing your compost and deciding what style of compost to do. If it's an above ground compost, really consider how it's going to be aerated. And if it is one that's below ground, consider 
how people are going to be able to dig into the ground and if they have access to a shovel or if digging is even possible for them physically. And whatever you do, make sure that it's easy and fun and celebrate the wins and work together to solve the problems. Composting is really a community building thing. You can create a compost in your park or in your community garden where multiple people are able to add to it. And you can make a lot of really rich, rich amendments for your soil and to feed your plants. I hope that I've inspired you to get started in compost. You can be a part of a community that is composting together, or you can start your own composting system in the places that you have access to. If you live in an apartment, I highly recommend connecting with a local community garden and seeing if you want to garden or if you want to just contribute your food waste to their compost. I'm sure they would be very happy to have it. If you're inspired to start your own composting system, uh, please feel free to reach out to me at Natalie Cultivates on Instagram um, with any questions or to help you troubleshoot anything that's going on that you uh, may see as a red flag in your compost. I'm always open to answer these kinds of questions as a master gardener and as just a curious person who loves learning about the soil. So now I'd like to offer you a lovely little moment of zen, if you will, um, a nature meditation based on walking through the forest. So these are nature sounds of us squishing the earth with our feet and as we're walking through on a trail and we are contributing to the decomposition of everything on the forest floor by squishing it with our feet. Um, and just picture yourself for this minute walking through a really lush, natural environment and listening to the beautiful birds as you're walking through and really feeling your feet as they uh, squish into the ground. So take a deep breath in. Hold it and let it out. Let's begin. that brings us to the end of this nature meditation. I'd love to hear what you saw, what you experienced. 
share it with me on Instagram at Natalie Cultivates, and I can't wait to hear it. Also, if you have any questions about gardening or composting, feel free to send me a message again at Natalie Cultivates on Instagram. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe, like, follow, whatever it is you can do on your podcast app, please do it. It greatly helps me. Uh, It shows me also that you are listening and that you are enjoying it and want more. And of course, you can let me know by commenting on any of the posts I do about the podcast on my Instagram at Natalie Cultivates. All right, Earthlings, thank you so much for sharing this time with me. And I hope you have a wonderful day.